If you have your Bibles, turn to uh, Luke chapter 24. And we're going to talk for the next few moments about uh, learning to trust in the Lord. Learning to depend on Him, as Jeff uh, just beautifully sang. And it's one of my favorite stories in all of the uh, New Testament. We talked a little bit about it last week, and I wanted to follow up and just kind of give some new insight to this incredible story. So we are in Luke chapter 24, and you've got notes that you can follow along uh, this morning. If you're with me this morning, let me hear an amen. amen. So the disciples are in Jerusalem, and Jesus has just been crucified a couple of the disciples go to the tomb and Jesus is no longer there and the disciples freak out this is not good what is going on God where are you God why have you allowed this to happen this isn't working out the way I planned. This is not my idea, and I don't like it. And so my response is, we're going to get out of town. And the Bible says that the, the disciples, they left Jerusalem, the place of peace, the place where God commanded them to stay, and the Bible says that they found out on Airbnb that there was a retreat center in Emmaus. And it's only seven miles outside of Jerusalem. So the disciples said to themselves, let's book a room and let's go to Emmaus. We got to get out of here. We don't like what's going on. We're uncomfortable. This is not fun. This is not the way life's supposed to be. Let's head to Emmaus and, 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 and check out for a few days. And about halfway on that journey, the Bible says that Jesus showed up to the disciples. And they didn't even recognize him. How crazy is that? They had just spent three and a half years with him, and, and, and they spent their life, and yet Jesus now appears to them, and they're walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, and they couldn't even recognize who Jesus was. And suddenly the Bible says that, that, that Jesus acted as if he was going to go further. And the disciples constrained him. The disciples pulled on his coat and said, you're not leaving, stay with us a little while. And the Bible says that Jesus broke bread with them. And as he was breaking bread with them, remember the, 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 the very act that he did a few days earlier in Jerusalem, he broke bread and the Bible says their eyes were opened. There's something beautiful about communion. It's more than just a ritual. When you break bread, when you take the cup, when you remember what Christ has done for you, something powerful happens. And the Bible says that when Jesus broke bread with them, their eyes were opened and they recognized that it was Jesus. How many believe that sometimes we need to have our eyes opened? And we need to see things a little bit clearer. And their eyes were open, and they recognized that it was Jesus. And as soon as they recognized that it was Jesus, guess what happened? He left. He disappeared. 
And the disciples were like, this was amazing. Jesus was just with us, and now he's gone. And so the disciples made a beautiful decision. I love it. It says in Luke chapter 24, verse 32, it says, and they returned at once to Jerusalem. I love that. Now, we're going to get to that in just a few moments, but I've got on the stage here a couple of signs. I just want you to see this. Uh, Jerusalem, and hopefully this is Jerusalem, yes, is a city of peace. How many have ever been to Jerusalem? Beautiful city. It is really a, a, a city of peace. And at the time of this story, it wasn't very peaceful because the disciples were confused. The disciples were scared. The disciples were freaking out. The disciples didn't have a really good idea of what was taking place. And, and God commanded the disciples to stay in Jerusalem, but instead of staying in Jerusalem, they wanted to retreat to Emmaus. They wanted to check into the Ritz-Carlton. They wanted to get away for a few days. And it's interesting that that word there, Emmaus, the city that they wanted to run to, and I've been there, I've seen that. Emmaus, the meaning of that word is a warm spring. I just want to check out for a few days. I just want to go to the spring. I want to sit in the spa. I want to hang out at the Ritz. I want to get away from the place of confusion, and I just want to get to that place where I can focus on myself. And here's what I really want you and all of us to see today. If you get to this place, if you make it to Emmaus, you will still not be satisfied. This is not the answer. Making it to the Ritz-Carlton is not the solution. Check it out for a few days and running from where you're supposed to be is not the answer because you will get there and guess what? There'll be another city that your heart wants to go to. I'm reminded of the scripture, the eyes of man are never satisfied. And you can get to this city, Emmaus, and then guess what? You're going to want something else. You see, life is not about a bigger paycheck. Life is not about a bigger home. Life is not about getting that brand new car. Life is, is more than just getting a bigger house. Because when we run from the place of peace and we try to escape to Emmaus, we will never be satisfied when we get there. And I'm glad in this story, about halfway during the journey, Jesus shows up and their eyes are opened and they made the decision that they were going to go back to Jerusalem, the place of peace. Can I are you all with me today? Can I remind you that Jerusalem was the place where Jesus said, I'm going to leave, but when I leave, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And I want you to go back to Jerusalem because it's in Jerusalem, the city of peace, where the Holy Spirit is going to come down on you and you will be endued with power. And so here's the disciples who were scared, they were afraid, they were timid, they were unsure about the future, but halfway during this beautiful journey, Jesus turned them around. The Bible says the disciples at once returned to Jerusalem. Now, look in your notes just for a few moments. I want to give you a couple of principles that I think are going to help us on this road to Emmaus. I've got a couple points there, and, and you'll see the headline. What keeps us from seeing Jesus? What are the things that keeps us from seeing Jesus? 
And you can fill in the blanks. You can get your pen and, 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 and pencil out and just fill in some of these notes. What keeps us from seeing Jesus? Number one, when you look out. Everyone say look out. When you look out, and I want you right next to that phrase there, look out, and write the word fear. See, when you live a life and you're looking out, that means you are operating in fear, and God doesn't want us to live in fear. Can I get an amen? amen. Number two, look in. Look in, and I want you to write in the word selfishness. When you live a life that is looking in, you are living a life that is selfish, and God doesn't want you to look in. When you look out, you're operating in fear. When you look in, you're operating in selfishness. And remember, the hymn we're talking about today is the hymn by Fanny Crosby, Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior. You will miss God if you're living in fear. You will miss God if you're living in selfishness. God wants us not to look out or look in. And I missed one, look down, which is discouragement. If you look in this story in Luke 24, the Bible says their heads were down. They were discouraged. Why? Because they were, they were looking down. So don't look out. Don't look down. Don't look in. Here's the next one. Looking back. That speaks of regret. How many know some people that are always living in the past? They're always looking back. And you're going to miss Jesus if you're always looking behind you and living in regret. Don't look out, don't look down, don't look in, don't look back, oh I love this one, don't look around. Because when you look around, you are falling into the trap of distractions. How many know there's a lot of distractions out there? And we'll miss Jesus if we're looking around because we get distracted. Here's the last one, look forward. And that speaks of self-reliance. They're looking forward. They're looking ahead. And if you're looking out, if you're looking down, if you're looking in, if you're looking back, if you're looking around, if you're looking forward, you're going to miss Jesus and he's going to pass you by. Now, what do we need to be looking at? Well, I put it there in your notes. What helps us to see Jesus? Number one, when you look up. Everyone say look up. Look up. If you want to capture Jesus, if you want to seize the moment, if you don't want him to pass you by, then live a life that is looking up, and that speaks a life that is focused. I love what the psalm says. Look up, for our redemption draweth nigh. Where will I, will I lift my eyes? I'm going to lift my eyes to the hills. That's where my help comes from, the maker of heaven and earth. We need to look up. In fact, let's do that right now. Everybody just lift up your head just for a moment. I know you got your mask on, but I want you to lift your eyes, and I want you to look up. God, help me not to miss you. God, help me not to let you pass me by. God, help me not to be distracted. Help me not to be focused on myself. Help me not to be living in fear. Help me, God, not to be looking down in discouragement, but God, help me to live a life that is looking up because I'm focused on you. God wants us to look, and he wants us to look up, number one. And then number two, he wants us to look, and it's there in your notes, look at that. He wants you to look at, look at him. Fixing our eyes on Jesus 
the author and the perfecter of our faith. Help us to look at Jesus so we can stay in Jerusalem and be endued with power by the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? amen. Now, let me continue this story in Luke 24 because if you think it was crazy, it gets even crazier. Now watch this. The disciples are kept from going to Emmaus. They go back to Jerusalem. And they meet with some of their friends and they say, you won't believe what happened to us. We were walking to Emmaus and Jesus showed up and we had bread together and, and then he, he left again. And the Bible says, as they were talking about this, guess what happens? Jesus shows up again. Um, this is like a soap opera. I mean, this is crazy. They're in Jerusalem and then Jesus appears to them and he talks with them and they have dinner together and then after a few hours Jesus brings them to Bethany and he ascends from the earth to heaven and the story just gets crazier and crazier by the minute but there's some principles that I want you to see in this story so look at the bottom of your notes and let's look at the phrase there in the middle of your notes what happens when we return to Jerusalem what happens number one the first thing that happens when you return to Jerusalem and you don't run away from your problems, and let me say this real quick. Let me have your eyes and ears just for a few moments. I want you to be known for what you are running to and not to be known for what you're running from. Mm. Be, thank you. Be known for what you are running to not for what you are running away from. If you want to capture Jesus, if you want to get a glimpse of who he is, be known for what you're running to, not running from. And there's some of you here today, you are running from. You are trying to retreat. You are, you are leaving the place where God wants you, and you're trying to get to Emmaus, and we need to live a life that describes us as people that are running to. What are we running to? We're running to Jesus. We're running to the cross. We're running to our Savior. When we are discouraged, when we are fearful, when we are afraid, when we are confused, we want to be known for people that are running to, not running from. And when you run to Jesus, he'll fill you with peace and comfort and joy and all that you need. It's available. And that's what the disciples did. They're sitting there talking about their experience on the road to Emmaus, and the Bible says that Jesus showed up. And look at the first thing he did when Jesus showed up to the disciples in Luke chapter 24, verse 36. It says, and while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. The first thing that happens when you return to Jerusalem is God speaks peace over your situation. Now watch this. There's some of you here today, you are faced with uncertain times in your family, in your business, in our city, in our nation, and what a wonderful time for Jesus to stand up and to speak peace over our situation. Peace be with you. Pastor Scott, you don't understand what's going on in my marriage. You don't understand what's going on with my grandkids. You don't understand what's going on in my body and my health. And I do know this, 
that when you return to Jerusalem, when you make the decision that you're going to fix your eyes on him, he speaks peace over your situation. And I don't know about you, but we as a nation, we as a church, we as individuals, we need to receive and hear God say those words to us, peace be with you. How many are here today and you need a little bit of peace? Yeah. That's what Jesus does when you return to Jerusalem. He speaks peace over your situation. Peace be with you. Now watch this. From this Sunday on before the election, this is what I want us to do. I want us to speak peace over our nation. Instead of diving down into the details about what's going on, instead of looking at the candidates, instead of getting all worked up about what's going on, how about we just stop for a few moments and we just say, peace be still over America. Peace be still over our president. Peace be still over all the people that are voting. We need peace. And as Jesus spoke that peace over them, their life started to change. They moved from being fearful and afraid and confused and upset. And suddenly when Jesus showed up again, he spoke peace over that situation. And we need to speak peace over America. Peace be still. And that happens when you go back to Jerusalem. It doesn't happen when you get to Emmaus. It happens when you and I go back to Jerusalem in obedience and wait for the power of the Holy Spirit and we need to hear like never before, peace be still. Now, this is what I would do if I was you. From now until November 4th, if someone comes up to you and wants to talk about the elections, what you need to do is you need to stop them right in their tracks and say, let's pray about this. And simply pray. How would that go over on Facebook? <laughs> instead of diving down in all the dirt, instead of researching about what the candidate's family is doing, how about we just stop the conversation and say, would you please pray with me and let's pray for this situation right now and speak peace over to it. You may lose some friends. Which, by the way, that may be a good situation for you. Instead of diving down in all the mud, how about we just stop for a moment and just say, would you please pray with me about this? You're going to make people feel uncomfortable, and that's a good thing. Peace be still. Can I get an amen? amen. Number two, what happens when you and I go to Jerusalem? God not only speaks peace over us. I love this. God's scripture is revealed to us. God's word comes alive. Well, where do I get that from? Verse 45. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scripture. When you go back to Jerusalem, God's scripture comes alive in your life. Number three. When you go back to Jerusalem, I love this one. Jesus speaks blessing over us. I love that. Look in verse 50. Bruce, if you can go to the keyboard. Jesus speaks blessing over us. Look what it says in verse 50. And when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. Everyone say blessed. I love this image. Watch this. 
Jesus is getting ready to leave for the last time. He's getting ready to ascend into heaven. And the last thing that Jesus does over his disciples, watch this, is he blesses them. That's powerful. The last words, the last act, the last image that he wanted his disciples to see and to receive was that Jesus was going to bless them. Now you know this. I've taught you this. The first words spoken to mankind in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, the Bible says, and God blessed Adam and Eve. He didn't say to them, you need to do more. He didn't say to them, I, this is my expectation and I expect you to do, do more. He said, no, I want you to know, Adam and Eve, the first words out of your mouth is, I bless you. And every father, every mother has an understanding of that. First time you held your boy. First time you held your daughter. First time you looked them in the eye. As a father, as a mother, you spoke blessing over your kids. How much more does God our Father say that over us today? God blesses you. I've said this a million times. He doesn't like what you do. He doesn't like the way you act sometimes. He doesn't like the way you respond sometimes. He gets disappointed when you want to leave Jerusalem and head for Emmaus, but he always loves you and he blesses you. So watch this. Jesus is getting ready to make his final exit. And he's got his disciples around him in Bethany. And the Bible says he starts to elevate and he blesses his disciples. When you return to Jerusalem and you don't let Jesus pass you by, he speaks a blessing over you today. And this is what I want you to hear today. I want you to hear God's blessing over you. It was the last words that Jesus spoke before he ascended into heaven. Bless you. And by the way, when Jesus showed up in Matthew chapter 5, you know the first word out of his mouth when he preached his first sermon is the word blessed. The Beatitudes. We serve a God who blesses us. We serve a God who loves us. And he blesses us today. And then number four, I love this one. When you return to Jerusalem, when you go back to the city of peace, our worship and our joy is renewed. Look what it says in verse 52. And then the disciples, they worshiped him and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Your worship is renewed and you're filled with great, great joy. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Would you stand up across this great church to this morning? Do not pass me by. Is it possible for Jesus to pass us by? Yes, it is. And in Luke chapter 24, the disciples said, we're not going to let you go. We're not going to let you go until you, until you bless us. And, and, and God had a powerful blessing over his disciples, and he blesses you and I today. As we dismiss today, 
I'm reminded of the story, and you all know the story, in Mark chapter 5, when Jesus heals the woman with the issue of blood. You know, there's a song that someone wrote about that. And it goes like, Jesus is passing by. Jesus is passing. And I'm in the wrong key, but I'm sorry, Bruce. Jesus is passing by. Jesus is passing by. Jesus is passing by. Reach out and touch the hem of his garment right now. How many have ever heard that? Three of you. Oh, good. Jesus is passing by. You know in this story that Jesus got a text message that there was a young lady who was sick. She had a father by the name of Jairus. And Jairus came to Jesus and said, my daughter is dying. You have got to come help me. Come. And the Bible says that Jesus was on his way. His goal was to pray for the sick daughter. And as he was walking through the crowd, watch this, there was a woman with an issue of blood. And she thought to herself, I've got this moment. I may not ever pass this way again. Jesus is walking by, and I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to reach out and touch him. And the Bible says that she reached out and touched him. Jesus did what? Jesus stopped. Guess what? If she wouldn't have reached out and touched him, he would have kept on going. He'll stop when you reach out in faith and say, I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to let you pass me by. I'm going to go back to Jerusalem and I'm going to receive your blessing and your peace and your power that is available. Jesus is passing by. Reach out and touch the hem of his garment right now. As we close today, you're standing and you're faced with a situation where you need God to help you. He wants to help you, but he's going to demand that you step out, step out in faith and you reach out and touch him. He'll help you with your finances. He'll heal your body. He'll restore your marriage. He'll bring healing to your body and your situation if you will simply reach out and touch him today. Jesus is passing by. He's on the move. He's going to help somebody, and he's going to help those that cry out in faith and say, God, I need you to touch me today. It's available for you. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Would you bow your hearts with me, and let's pray just for a moment. God, we know that you're a God that's on the move. We know that you are a God that is moving. And you want us to reach out and touch you. You want us to constrain you. You want us to stop you. So, Lord, we do that today. As you're moving in, in this church, as you're moving, as people are watching over the Internet, God, I pray that men and women would just simply reach out in faith and ask 
for your help. We need you. We can't do it alone. Our hope is in you today. And God, we pray in Jesus' name that you'll heal our bodies, you'll save our marriages, you'll bring financial change and restoration in every situation. We look to you today. We ask you to do that. God, don't pass over America. God, don't pass over this great country. We ask you in Jesus' name for your grace and your mercy and your kindness and your goodness to be displayed to our great nation. And we thank you for it today. Thank you for your blessing on our lives. We receive it today in Jesus' name.